listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about a topic important not just to sales and marketing professionals, but anyone who has, uh, you know, to pay the bills, who has to live a business life, right? We want to focus on ways that we can increase the success in their careers by increasing self-awareness. It's been a hot topic, continues to be a hot topic. Uh, maybe I'm just old. It's been a topic for a long time, <laughs> but it seems to have come back uh, with a lot more fervor lately. Everyone is extremely busy, always things to be done. Inbox keeps filling up. Task list doesn't seem to ever get resolved. Yet, if you want to be, if we want to be our best, we need to take the time to work on ourselves, to have a personal life, and focus on the people that we are and that we bring to our business lives. To help us, we have Mike Regan, an executive with over 25 years of sales and marketing experience, who's currently an advisor for cybersecurity company ThreadX. Mike, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Chad. Happy to be here. So over the last few years, it's been a great deal of focus on this concept of balancing personal and work lives. I think it was Tim Ferriss wrote the 20-hour work week or four-hour work week, something like that. Yeah. And this reality of the always-on world, right? It means people feel like they always have to be connected. We actually joke in sales that there's no such thing as vacation. It's just working from a different location. Right. Um, so I would love to hear why you think this is such an important topic uh, and you know how to focus on being and, and maintaining that healthy balance between work and, and personal lives. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I want to say probably... 10 or 15 years ago or so, it, it suddenly hit me that there, there doesn't need to be this crisp line between personal life and work life. And, you know, in reality, we're, it's our life, right? And, and our life is rooted for the most part in the way we interact with others and with the world. And it really begs the question, how do you want to sort of live your life and how, what are the goals that you set for yourself and your interaction with others. And when you think of it that way, sort of your job is just another dimension of how you're interacting with others. Um, and so I, first and foremost, I would, I would suggest that, you know, ask yourself that question, how do I want to live my life? And, and what do I want to achieve through interacting with others, whether it's your kids, your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, your customers, your prospects, uh, what are the common, you know, goals that you, you set for yourself for enriching your life and hopefully the lives of those that you interact with? And, and when you think about that, suddenly the lines start to blur and you realize you, you're just a guy, right? And you're, you're trying to get through life. So it's, uh, and it also takes a lot of pressure off. You know, a lot of people say, you know, work hard, play hard. Okay, well, I just finished work, so I'm supposed to go play hard. And, and it's like, hang on a minute, how about just live? <laughs> and, and what do you want to do with your with with your life, and and how do you want to grow as a person? I mean, it's an amazing concept when you think about it, right? Because we've all been programmed, you know, work versus personal life, and and if you don't stop looking at it that way and just keep looking at it as, Hey, this is my life. This is the way I want to be in the space that I'm in and the way, you know, the type of person I want to be regardless of the facet, right? It is a little bit freeing. Yeah. Some companies now start to 
um, kind of tweak that, right? So I won't name them because I don't know if it's particularly flattering, but there was a company uh, three years ago that I was talking to about doing some work with and they drilled really, really hard uh, in their interview process that, hey, we don't focus on work-life balance. You can take as much vacation as you want when you need it. Um, but the way that they did it was a little bit almost like you have unlimited vacation, but we really don't want you to take it, right? The un, it was the unspoken kind of undercurrent. And so I'm curious, and I know this is totally not in the questions that I sent you. So. No, 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 don't worry about it. Let's but, go for uh, it. Yeah. But like, you know, you see, have you seen companies kind of take this and I don't want to say nefariously turn it to their advantage, right? Um, but use it in perhaps not optimal ways, right? Get those people to believe that they have this come and go like how do they maintain that there's accountability there's things you have to do for the business yeah creating a culture like how have you how have you seen that play out well oddly enough the the last uh company i was a an executive at we shifted to that model um and we we did so successfully in part because it it reflected our core values. Um, and, and one of our core values was, you know, when, when life happens, logarithm understands. That was the company I was with was logarithm. Right. And, um, and we had, there was mutual respect, re, meaning respect for the employee and the employee had respect for the company. And there was also accountability and, and people understood what was expected of them. And I think to the extent that you have some employees that may operate on the fringe of, <laughs> of, of, of company values, then, then you, you'll probably see employees attempting to abuse that flexibility. But for the most part, if you've done a good job hiring and nurturing the employees, that mutual respect is sustained. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just the personal time, you know, PTO, the time off uh, in those days that they allocate for that. It's also, you know, life does happen. Your, your mother gets sick or your, your kids got to play at school or, you know, and, and you go take it, go watch them in that musical, you know, watch them play that xylophone. Right. And, and, <laughs> and then, and, but, but they're in the, in the mutual respect, maybe it's later that evening or it's the next, uh, the next day, they're going to find a way to make up for that stuff that they had, you know, scheduled to get done that day, but, but didn't because they went to the school. And well, that I, concept of yeah. respect is the key, right? And, and, and it is seeing yeah. people struggle with hiring, right? That companies have to, you know, and if you're doing it right from the beginning and you instill it all the way through, that's awesome. And I always, when I was running teams, I used to say, look, you do what you have to do. If, if, if you want to go see the musical or if something happens in your life, go do it. It's not going to change what, you know, is accountable, but you're an adult and I respect you to be able to juggle your priorities in, in an effective way that isn't going to be too burdensome. Right. Right. And that I, mutual respect is the key. Well, I think it, it, it places a big burden on management because in order to uh, have people feel like they're accountable they need to be accountable to certain things. What are the goals that they're expected to achieve? Uh, and, and management needs to be sufficiently specific in their goal setting so that at the end of the, at the, end of the week, at the end of the month, the end of the quarter or the year, it's clear to both the employee as well as the manager were the goals achieved or not. If there's ambiguity there, then there's going to be you know, room for misinterpretation 
and and it, it gets to be a slippery slope. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dark and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. I, I always found when I was doing this with my teams, and I probably wasn't. I was probably doing this before the whole, you know, hey, is this a part of our company values? It's just like, hey, you're in, you're in sales and marketing. I'm running the team. We have these goals to hit. Do what you need to do. And then sometimes you'd get that question, right? The question would come from the executive. So why is that person not in the? Well, I haven't seen them for two days. Right. And, and what are they doing? And now all of a sudden it starts to create this friction with, with manager about now I've got to defend what the person is doing rather than having a conversation around, are they hitting their goals and objectives? Well, I, I mean, if, if your manager is asking you or questioning you about why that person isn't in sort of uh, underpinning that very question is a question about your management of that, you know, individual. It's like, what is it that you don't trust about me? I mean, I'm happy to share with you that, you know, that his son had a hernia operation and he needed to, you know, you know, take a couple days off, but clearly there's, there's some level of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, and a challenge or, or you're not, fully empowering me to manage these guys. And that's cool. Let's just talk about it. What, what is it that's concerning you? Yeah. Let's get it on right? the table. Let's get it on the yeah. table. Like, what is it? Yeah, exactly. It, maybe, it, maybe it's because I missed, maybe it's because I missed my sales goal for the two last two quarters. That's cool. We've already right. talked about that. <laughs> and here's what I'm doing to change it. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but if uh, and either, either you're going to empower me to manage these people and get it done or not, but right. um, you know, yeah, that's funny. It's a constant. <laughs> it's a constant battle. But as as we were prepping, you mentioned um, how finding that right balance, right, and and it may be just removing the view of business versus personal. But how finding that right balance can create optimal results, uh, not only for the person but for the business. Can you pro- provide some examples where you've seen this uh, this happen. I fear that too many people. It's a it's an odd concept that if all of a sudden I'm pulling out a structure that helps you understand your relation to the world, business or personal, that some people go a little haywire with it. So you give us some examples of where you've seen it, you know, that balance and attaining that be uh, extremely uh, beneficial for all involved. Well, I, one of the, one of the, the best sales executives I've ever worked with is a woman by the name of Sarah Avery. Um, and uh, um, Sarah, really managed that balance incredibly well. And she, she lived her life as a sales exec the same way she lives her personal life. She cares about people. And uh, the, her customers ended up almost invariably becoming very close friends. You know, she cares about what's going on in their life outside of the business world. And, you know, one could easily say, well, shoot, I don't have time to be everyone's best friend, right? And, you know, I can't care about everyone and send Christmas friends to everyone. But she, she was genuine in the way she approached these people. Uh, as she first approached them as prospects, she tried to understand who they were and what their goals were and what their life was all about, what their interests were. And uh, this is kind of sales 101, you know, who's your favorite sports team and so on. But, 
what else? What else about their life is, is affecting them day to day? And when you really care about the prospects and the customers, they know that. Right. And it ends up leading to a, a relationship that's built on mutual caring and mutual trust. And when they trust you, they'll share even more info with you. And there's a, a mutually beneficial relationship that's established. And it's not just around what your product can do for them. You know, you see them as a whole person and, and they recognize that and, and you build long-term, mutually lucrative relationships. And yeah. Sarah, Sarah crushes it in every, in every role she's in. Yeah. As a result, I've tell yeah. a lot of the a lot of the customers that I work with, a lot of the the sales staff that that I work with now and and teach is like, look, some of my best friends are people that I've sold to over the last fifteen years because yeah, I, and I end up I've got one guy in particular where you know, look, I got to the point where I was tutoring his kids in English. Uh-huh. His kid was having a hard time, and it wasn't it wasn't I wasn't trying to make a buck. Which is yeah. I was struggling. His kid was struggling. And it's like, you know, you can't, especially today, I don't think you can be successful or as successful in sales or marketing if you don't have that empathy gene, right? That right. curiosity, curiosity. Yeah. Tick. Yeah. It's hard for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and it's, it's hard for people on the buying side too. You know, if you're, you're, you're approaching a prospect, it's not uncommon that they, they believe they're supposed to play a certain role in engaging with vendors, right? I, I remember there was one time, one time I, I was brought in by, by a sales rep and their channel partner and they brought me in the, the VP, you know, to meet with this big account. It was a big deal. And we show up and the, the CIO had I don't know, six or seven people around his table. And, and uh, you know, we introduced ourselves and the guy sitting in the middle of the table, the CIO is like, why should I buy your product? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he's playing the decision maker. I'm in charge. You're going to tell me everything I want to know. And <laughs> I just looked at him and I said, well, John, I'm not really sure you should. You know, and that's what I said. And then suddenly he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, Charlie shared with me some of the requirements that you've shared with him, but I, there, there are a lot of unknowns here and I want to you know, find out if, if your needs actually match what we can provide. So, uh, you know, let's, you know, if let, let's review those requirements and you know, everyone was kind of taken aback. It's like, you know, you're not in pitch mode. Wait a minute. That's crazy. You know? And I uh, would sure enough, we ended up winning the business, but it, you know, um, it's important to assess whether the, prospect you're calling on believes they've got a role to play or if they are sufficiently open to establishing a human connection um, in order to then do business that is worthwhile and mutually beneficial. Right. Um, and, and, and believe it or not, most of those folks that believe they're supposed to play a role actually kind of loosen up when they realize that you're willing to play whatever role is going to best serve the relationship. And, and it may not be, you know, your solution may not be the right one for them. And it's okay to say no to a prospect and to say, you know, we don't have a fit here. Right. You know what? It's my time's probably better spent elsewhere too, but that's cool. You know? Well, and that um, honesty, that honesty is key, right? I mean, I, and it's one of those things that, you know, sales reps, they, especially sales reps are like, oh, I got to hit this number. I got to hit this number. And they get into this mode where it's like, they're going to push and push and push. And it's just like, well, hey, wait a minute. You know what? A big part of your equation is, are you spending your time 
in a value. That's right. Spot. And if yeah. you're chasing somebody that doesn't have a problem you can solve, just be honest. Yeah. Hey, I'm not, this isn't, we're not a good fit right now. I do this all the time. It's like, you aren't ready as an organization to make the changes necessary to implement what we do effectively. So why would I want to waste your time? Right. Just take your team and go go karting. It'll be better yeah. than <laughs> right. Like you'll get more out of that than what yeah. you're just not ready. And that <laughs> honesty, you know, is is key. It also requires some vulnerability and some authenticity. Love these you know buzzwords that are flying around today. But you have to understand who you are and bring that you know that genuine empathy, that genuine curiosity to the interactions, or or it just doesn't work. Yeah. 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 And so throughout your career. Can you give me like three tactics or four focuses that you've implemented to help make sure you maintain that optimal view of life, that work-life balance, even though we already pulled the line out of the sand? <laughs> three tactics yeah. that, you, <laughs> that you focus on to, you know, to make sure that you're staying in the space you want to be in? Uh, well, it's, I mean, um, in, in in executing my professional career, or more broadly, eh, more broadly doesn't doesn't matter. Just yeah. things that help you keep yourself grounded. Maybe that's a better way to say it. So I meditate, um, and so that helps. Um, I, you and I talked uh, last week or two weeks ago when we first set this up about the importance of listening right. and being present, um, and so I, I focus a great deal on that. Um, really. Uh, understanding what's going on, understanding the dynamics and listening is, is not just to the words, but body language and, and really understanding what's going on with the, with the other person. Um, and, and so, you know, listening is critical. Um, I, uh, um, um, I, I, I try and revisit that topic of what am I trying to achieve through my interactions with others? Uh, and, and certainly there are always the business goals that need to be achieved, but more important than those business goals is what am I trying to, uh, uh, you know, achieve when I'm given the opportunity to engage with other people? Uh, you know, how can I recognize what their needs are and help serve their needs? Uh, and, you know, as a, as a executive with a, a team that I manage and teams that they in turn manage, um, looking for that opportunity to help them grow uh, and their team members grow uh, in, in every engagement I have with them is really important. Um, if, if I know I'm going into a meeting with uh, another exec or a staff member that historically has been um, uh, sort of less than ideal in their engagements, maybe I'm <laughs> anticipating some friction, right? right? It's like, hang on a minute. How do I think this is going to get out? And what can I do differently to change that dynamic to make it productive for both of us? And, and it may be the uh, you know, 30 seconds walking from my office to the conference room and reflecting on that uh, and, and preparing myself for that dynamic and to change that dynamic quickly if it, if it surfaces. Um, it's really important. If... Uh, if I'm engaging with a, a person that, that reports directly to me and I see that they're stressed and, you know, they're not uh, operating in an optimal mindset or with optimal energy, it's like, hang on a minute, what can I do? Uh, asking myself in the moment, what can I do to shift their perspective to make this a, a more positive and fruitful discussion, you know? And, and let's set aside the business stuff for a minute 
and try and get under the covers as to what's leading to that tension. You know, a lot of times it's not related to the topic at hand, but there's something, some other dynamic at play or some other topic that's, that's got them riled up that, you know, they really want to talk about and that's really on their mind, but it's, it's unrelated to the topic at hand. It's like, well, hang on, let's, let's talk about that other thing right now. Cause we're not, we're not going to be able to be very productive on this other thing until we work through what's bothering you. No, and it's uh, more like um, managing the whole, right? You're managing the, you're not managing just the business side of a person. You're managing and leading people, right? Extremely diverse, yeah. multifaceted, have other things, life, you know, life gets in the way. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, you need to be aware of that in order to effectively empower them. That's right. And, and managers that fail to do that um, end up supporting a, a, an unhealthy dynamic, um, which is one between, you know, the person they manage and, and themselves where that person they're managing doesn't doesn't see or sense that human connection. It's a work relationship. And, uh, there, and there's not going to be as deep trust um, there. And, and they're not going to go to bat to the extent that they otherwise would, you know, for you. Um, right. So you've got to, I think it's important to treat everyone, as you point out, in a holistic way, as, as a whole person. Um, and, and you'll find the business does a heck of a lot better. Some people might say that's a waste of time. You know, that's, that's uh, earthy, crunchy stuff. It doesn't really matter. It's like, yeah, you know what? Believe it or not, you'll, you'll find the company gets a lot more productive when you, when you behave that way. And so in those organizations, that's a great, it's a great point, right? So in those organizations that maybe are not, let's say, cultural, culturally aligned with that type of management approach where it really is. And I, I don't know what it's been. Maybe it's just because I've you know, spent the last 17 years in sales. It was always a CFO. I had to spend so much time with the CFO to make, to help him or her stop looking at the numbers and uh -huh. start looking at the people. So did you come up with ways that you could internally, if you ran into people that maybe weren't aligned with that cultural vision of, of managing the whole, of, of treating them like real people, building the trust and you know, have you come up with tactics or approaches that help reduce the, the friction internally maybe with other peer executives or things like that? You know, I've been fortunate. I've worked with uh, <laughs> the last two CFOs, which comprises the last, you know, uh, 18 years for me. <laughs> um, they've been uh, very much aligned value-wise um, with me and, and with a culture that, that I thrive in and I, I think is optimal for companies. So I, um, I haven't, it's been a while since I've had to deal with uh, it, that unhealthy dynamic that you just characterized. But um, I, the guidance I would give people that might be listening to this um, that find themselves in a, an organization that where there's a cultural you know, misfit uh, between themselves and the culture that the, the company's putting off is, you know, ask yourself, can you facilitate that change in culture. And sometimes it might be a conversation with the CEO right. um, and, and in reviewing the company culture and the company values. And if, if as stated, those values align with what was, what you'd like to have, but it's actually in the execution and the monitoring of those values where the, where, where it's not matching up, then call out the executive team to say, look guys, either we're going to live by these values that we've put on paper or we're not, and and uh, and and hopefully they'll make the right change. If um, if you you can't see a path towards 
changing the organization to align the, with your values, go find one where you can. <laughs> right. Really, I mean, life is too <laughs> short. It's like, you know what? And then not every, every, every company will be able to do that. So, right. you know, take, take the time and make the effort to go find an organization that does really align. And, but also be, you know, be honest with yourself. No organization is perfect. No person is perfect. Um, but what you need is an organization that's willing to acknowledge the imperfections and commit to change when they discover that they're veering slightly from those values. Right. Um, intellectual honesty is, is an essential value that needs to be present. Um, and a willingness to say, you know what, I screwed up. And, uh, you know, I, I, you're right. I did not act in alignment with our values and I'm sorry. And here's what we're doing to change that. Um, Honest conversation. Are you where you need to be? Can you have the impacts you want to have? And can you accept the the current state and believe there's a path to the future state? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And so in the, in the sales and marketing field, especially sales, right? We, we're yeah. in a, we're in a real time environment. And, and I mean, uh, thank you, you know, Amazon and Apple and everybody that invested in, you know, customer experience and the always on and I'll be where the customer wants us to be when they want us there in a B2B space. Um, you know, it, it is literally, we need to be there when the customers want us, right. And interact in a way, what, whether it be digitally by phone, showing up face to face. Yeah. Uh, do you have, can you give our audience two suggestions for how professionals in that kind of environment um, might be able to actually get to a point where they can take a truly unplugged vacation? And yes, I am completely asking for myself. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I, I, no, I, I totally get that. And by the way, I, the, the organizations that, that um, advocate or, or support and, and, and celebrate those individuals that don't take a lot of vacation time. Um, and I just, you know, they're working for the company. I think they're messed up in their values. <laughs> you know, everyone, <laughs> everyone needs to take time away. And, uh, um, sometimes that's the, that was one of the biggest management challenges I had was having people that just were too invested in their, in their career and their job. And that that was too much of their life. It's like this, you need to go take time away. You need to. So back to your question, though, a couple strategies to enable someone, particularly in a, in a sales role, to, to take a, a fully unplugged break. Um, number one, have a very firm handle on your business. Know what's going on. Understand what accounts, uh, what the state of accounts are, uh, existing customers, uh, as well as you know, prospects and what's next in the sales cycle. Um, and, and know it well enough so that you can uh, um, communicate that to someone that's going to back you up while you're gone. So delegate. But in order to delegate effectively, you've got to have all of your ducks lined up and be able to provide all the detail that that person might need to take action on your behalf in your absence. Um, and, and communicate to your uh, customers and prospects um, and internal uh, um, you know, coworkers that you're going to be unplugged for, for, you know, 10 days. Um, and while you're unplugged, th these are the people that you can go to, to resolve issues that might arise. Um, and, and, uh, if you, if you teed up properly and you have people you can trust, um, to, to care for those accounts and you've given them all the detail they need. Um, and you, you let your customers know, or your prospects know that you're going to be gone, but you know, Sally is the go-to person and here's her contact info she'll take care of you and you empower Sally to do so. 
then you can go away and shut your email off and, and, uh, and not check. And you know, at the end of the day, you, you can always give that final um, look. If it is truly an emergency and you can't access the information you need to truly serve this customer and it's critical and it means we're going to lose the account or, you know, then call me on my cell. But otherwise, if it's not an emergency, I don't get, I don't get a call. Right. And, right. and communicate that to someone that will respect that request. Right. Right. The boundaries, right. Establish yeah. boundaries. Make sure people are empowered. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe I'm just too much of a type A. Cause I mean, now I'm in a different situation because we run our own business, right? So, but yeah, right. Uh, I, if I delegate to somebody, then not, I would love to have somebody delegate to. Maybe I have to look into that. But <laughs> um, I think there's a business opportunity here. <laughs> I, there might be. There might be. It's the delegation <laughs> company. <laughs> all right, let's let's change direction a little bit. I ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions toward the end of each interview. The first is. Uh-huh. As a revenue executive, that makes you a prospect or a target yeah. for other people who want to get in front of you. And so I always like to ask executives we have on, if somebody doesn't know you, you don't have a relationship with them, what is the best way for them to interact with you or approach you to build credibility and the trust necessary to capture your attention? Uh I'm, uh, rephrase that one for me. I'm not sure I got it fully. So, so if, if somebody wants to get in front of you and says, Hey, you know, as an advisor for, Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Do they pick up the phone and call you? Is it, I mean, what's the, what is it that's going to get, turn your head so that you'll actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, uh, present to me immediately upon engaging me that you know me, that you know, my company that, you know, you have done your homework, whether it's, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, people that reach out to me that are from my alma mater, I'll always give them a break, you know, cause they <laughs> looked me up. They know where I went to college. Right. Okay. Right. All right. You know what? And out of respect for my alma mater, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll at least listen to them. But, he, but then they've got to, um, demonstrate that they've done homework, um, their homework as well. Maybe it's, uh, you know, they've seen a recent financial report on the company. They, they'll mention a recent big company win. Maybe it's a partnership that we formed. Um, demonstrating they've done homework, which demonstrates that they, you know, they're truly interested in forming a partnership. If I hear a standard spiel, um, you know, that I know they're giving to everyone else they're calling, I'm going to hang up. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, it's, yeah, you got to, you got to hit me hard quickly with something personalized that I know they've done their homework and, and they know who they're talking to. Okay, perfect. And so now last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If you were, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to sales, marketing, consultants, doesn't matter, just a professional one piece yeah. of advice that if they listen to, and that's the caveat I always put out there, they have to yeah. be willing to listen. Yeah. What would that advice be uh, that you believe would help them be more successful and, and, and achieve their goals, you know, more frequently? What would that advice be and why? Well, it's going to tie back to the first theme that you and I talked about, which is, look, there's, you know, people talk about work-life balance. And for me, it's, it's life. And, and what are you trying to achieve in your life? And I, I think if I were to boil it down to one word, um, it, it would be care. Care about your customers. Care about your prospects. Care about your coworkers. Uh, and, and, and by that, I mean, understand 
what are they trying to achieve? What do they need? Um, it, you know, if you truly care, you're going to listen. You're going to listen hard. You're going to understand what their needs are, what, they, what they're trying to accomplish, what, what's difficult for them right now. Um, and, uh, and you'll find that you end up seeking to serve them in, in ways that really address their needs. And I guarantee if you care about your customers, your prospects, your coworkers, um, you'll end up taking care of yourself in the end. Excellent. Mike, if a listener's interested in talking more about the topics we've touched on today, uh, what's the best way to, to reach out? Uh, they can reach me at MKRFM. That's uh, uh, MKRF is in Frank, M is in Mary at Outlook.com. Excellent. Mike, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been great having you on the show today. Uh, it's been great, Chad. Take care. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill. Share with friends, family, coworkers. Get it out there so other people can benefit from the value that we're providing. And until next time, we have Value Prime Solutions. Wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.